0: Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. God is so good. Don't you love it when God comes in like that? Amen. Boy, in both services today, we had just a sweet uh, presence, a sweet sense of God's presence in this place. And uh, I was telling the first service, when it gets like that, I can just live there. Amen. I don't want to leave there. I like hiding out there, amen, in his presence, amen. For You know what, in his presence is everything we need. Can you say amen? Well, this morning I uh, want to take some time to minister to you a sermon that um, uh, God laid upon my heart. Um, it's funny because the last time I, I preached to you, the last time I ministered to you, I, I talked about complaining. And to be honest with you, it's uh, when I when I did that sermon, I was a little bit concerned because, you know, sometimes you know it's that's not the feel good type sermon. It's you know you don't get a lot of you know doodads and goosebumps and you know it's not like ooh wow. But you know what happened? It was remarkable. But I had a bunch of people come to me and say, man, man, that was a great sermon. That helped me. That encouraged me. And yeah. Yeah. and and you know, I believe what it is is I I believe that. When we preach the word of God, when we confront ourselves with his word, um, there's something about that. Even though it may, uh, in our flesh or, or in our mind and our earthly nature, it may feel a little painful. Our spirit embraces that and we love it. We love that sense of God moving and changing. And that's what we're about here, because I don't know about you, I, I want to be better, amen. I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm bad, uh, but I know that I got room to improve, and I know that there's uh, places that God wants to take me. I know that there's things that he wants to accomplish in me. And so I don't know about you, but I know I come to church with the expectation that those things that are hindering that process in my life will be dealt with, Amen. Yeah that I'll either be encouraged, instructed, challenged, or all the above. Can you say amen? amen? And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Numbers chapter 33. We'll get to that here in a minute. Don't, don't put it up on the board yet. Um, don't, 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 don't ruin the punchline. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have, to uh, have a training session with the guys. You can put the title page up. That's okay. That would be fine. Um, there it goes. Amen. I want to minister a message that uh, is kind of poking fun at human nature. Have you ever gone and and, and sat and watched people? I mean, just watch people. I mean, your purpose was to just, you're there. Maybe your wife is shopping and you're at the mall, you're sitting in the mall, and you're just watching the people go by you. You know what the great thing is, is people can be greatly entertaining. I love watching people. And as a student of human nature... Uh, It never disappoints me. I am never disappointed with human nature. I always am uh, 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 delighted, uh, intrigued, sometimes a little scared, (laughs) uh, you know. But human nature is is something I enjoy watching because sometimes uh, we're just funny. I mean, we're goofy. I mean, even those of us that really are trying to, you know, uh, uh, put the dog on and really, you know, be something, we just come across sometimes funny. And uh, sometimes we do silly things. And sometimes I'm amazed. I'm amazed at human nature. I, I look at stuff and I think, huh, that's interesting. I can't believe they just did that. I can't believe they said that. I, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm amazed at me. I'm like, I can't believe you're doing this. I, you know, So human ma- nature can be funny. And even though our human nature can tickle our funny bone from time to time, the truth is sometimes it can be serious. And so I think we need to look at some things today. Now, I want to tell you about an epiphany that I had. How many have ever had an epiphany? You've had those moments of, of clarity. It's one of those times where everything becomes crystal clear. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. Well, a few years back, I was going through my house, and I was searching for something that I thought I desperately needed at that moment. Have you ever been on those kind of searches? You, you, you're looking for something, and it's like, I've got to have, I'm obsessed. I have to, it can be a rubber band. I mean, a rubber, I've got to have it, and I've got to have it now. And so you're searching for something in life, or you're searching for something through your house, and this was the state that I was in, and after rummaging through several junk drawers and overloaded closets and boxes that were stacked in corners, I came to the conclusion that my family and I have way too much miscellaneous stuff. You You know what I'm talking about? You know, have you ever looked around your house or maybe your garage or your shed and you wondered, where did I exactly get all this junk? And, I, you know, I have an answer for you. I, You know, the thing is, is most human beings are by nature pack rats. I, I just, we have a tendency to hang on to stuff, don't we? Um, you know, stuff that has very little value other than that it's ours it has no real monetary value it means nothing to no one else but it's mine it's it's mine it's my stuff it's i know it's a gum wrapper but it's my gum wrapper you know for some it can be quite a problem Uh, have you ever watched that show on tv hoarders i love that show i I've actually had an occasion, when I, before I became a pastor, I was a Sears repairman. My job was to go fix washers and dryers and refrigerators, and no, I do not do that anymore. <laughs> so I'm just going to put that out there now, because inevitably there's always a, hey, pastor, I got a question for you, and I'm, you know, I'm gearing up for something about Moses or Jesus, and hey, when your washer does it, I don't know how to do that anymore, right? I don't, you put the clothes in, throw water and soap in there and disappear. That's all I know. Anyway, when I was a Sears repairman, I remember going to several houses and these people were definitely hoarders. I mean, when the trash is stacked four foot high and they have a path through the house, that's, that, that's too much stuff. You you, you know what I'm talking about? Well, for some people, they can get obsessive, compulsive about their stuff, um, It's kind of scary when you realize, you know, this could be me. And I know there are some out there right now. You're sitting here thinking, that ain't me. I'm not that way. But the truth be known, every one of us in this room have a secret stash of stuff that we are unwilling to part with. And we accumulate things through the years that really... It just don't amount to anything. We fill drawers and closets. We build sheds. And we rent storage units to house and warehouse our stuff. It's our treasure. But if we would really be honest with ourselves, it really is nothing more than useless clutter. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, when we were living in our old house and the kids were all still home and um, they were there with all their stuff and our stuff it became clear to me that this is a real problem for us because one day I'm going through a drawer in our kitchen and I open up the drawer and stuffed into the back side of the drawer behind some towels was a Safeway bag, a plastic Safeway bag, and inside the plastic Safeway bag was 49 other plastic Safeway bags. 50 Safeway bags. We're hanging on to them as if they are gold bullion. (laughs) And we had, a, we had in our kitchen, we had a, a cupboard. When you opened the cupboard, there were hundreds, if not thousands, and I might be exaggerating a little bit, but you would open the cupboard and these butter bowls, the butter, you know, when you empty out butter, you rinse it out and go, ooh, that's a cool bowl. It, they would fall out. We had thousands of bowls and one lid. How that happened, I don't know. You know, we would buy Tupperware... We would buy Tupperware and somehow the lids for Tupperware where there is a place on the planet. There are tons there are stacks of lids every every everywhere. We had I went through a junk drawer. We had every battery that we ever bought in that drawer. We had broken golf tees and dried up pens and clothes. Well, Let me tell you something about clothes. There's clothes in my closet right now that I wouldn't wear even if I could fit into them. It's it's crazy. I told my wife the other day, I said, I'm done. I'm done. I am getting rid of. See, because what happens is we just move them around and we spread them out. And so my closet, you know, the section of my closet, which is a little bit smaller than hers, but it's got clothes in there. And she goes, look, you got tons of clothes. I go, no, no, no. There's one shirt in that whole stream that I will wear. One. That's it. Get rid of the rest. Take it somewhere. Sell it on eBay. Whatever you got to do, make a quilt out of it. It's okay. It's just stuff. You know what the problem with clutter is? Clutter takes up valuable resources like space. Yep. It hinders progress. It weighs you down. And it breeds confusion. Yeah, it does. Now listen, clutter makes you feel like you have something when in reality you have nothing at all. Yeah. And truly valuable things get lost in it And most of the time, clutter is a frustration, an irritation, and an eyesore. And the sad part of it all is clutter is not just a physical reality. It's a spiritual one as well. And the problem with many today is that they are simply overwhelmed with spiritual clutter in their lives. It's the mental, emotional, spiritual baggage we tend to accumulate over the years. It's disappointments, failures, hurts, habits, wrong thinking. All of these things that seem to compile and build up in our life, they become useless in their nature. But they are choking the life out of some of us. Let 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 me just make this clear. There's not a person in this room that's not affected by this. Are you hearing me today? See, we, what, you know what we want as Christians? I, I, I would imagine that if I were to go around the room and, and poll this room, by and large, everyone here would say this. We really want to live the life that God promised. See, I want that. I I look into the word of God. I see promises. I see value. I see power. I see dimension. I see dynamic. I see all these things that were bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid for them. And then he, through his grace, gave them to me, willfully turned them over. He says things like this, fear not, little flock, for it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In fact, he's so committed to that, that the kingdom of God exists inside of you right now. Do you understand that? He gives us his name. He gives us the right and authority of pleading his blood. All of that he is, we can be. He's poured himself into us. He's given us this thing, and, and, and it's wonderful, and God has this life that he's promised, yet sometimes what happens is we fail or we just don't seem to live up to the promise. It's not happening in our lives. Now, I believe there's something that resonates in that statement. I believe all of us, our hearts cry, is that there's got to be more to this life. And, and, and the problem that I'm seeing in Christianity today is that there is this willing willingness to accept the status quo. It's like this is as good as it gets, so why bother? Well, I want you to know there is something more. See, we're called to live victorious lives. Can you say amen? We're called to be saturated in the supernatural power of God. Yet many are not. And you don't have to be involved in church very long before you realize that most are living way below the level of life that God had intended for them. Marriages are in turmoil children living in rebellion, homes in chaos, fear, worry, insecurity, torment, addictions of every kind, dysfunctions, depression, discouragement, abuse, offense, confusion, tiredness, weariness, brokenness. Describe many of the Christians that are coming to church today. This ought not to be so. Can you say amen? Amen. We are citizens of the kingdom. We are Kings and priests before him. We are heirs with Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In every day that goes by, there's Christians, they're living with horribly destructive problems. And I have to ask myself, why is this? Why is it that some Christians never rise above a certain level? They they just never rise any higher. Why is it so many Christians find themselves in turmoil rather than in peace? Right. Why is it that they find themselves excelling in doubt rather than faith? Well, I believe it's because we're drowning in a sea of spiritual clutter. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to minister a message that I've entitled The Problem with Clutter, Spiritually Speaking. And I want you to look at a story out of of the Bible that serves as a great example for us. That's what Paul writes. Paul says the whole Old Testament was written as an example for us. And so when we turn to Numbers chapter 33, starting in verse number 50, the Bible says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan, across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their engraved stones, "'Destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. "'You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, "'for I have, given it, I have given you the land to possess. "'And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. "'To the larger you should give a larger inheritance, "'to the smaller you should give a smaller inheritance.'" There, every, there, everyone's inherent, inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your side, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Now, in this portion of Scripture, there's a key here To lasting victory, if you and I will pay attention to it. In this story, we find the children of Israel at the end of their 40 year, 10 year of wandering in the wilderness. A whole generation has passed, and God speaks to Moses, giving him instruction for entering the promised land. They are a new people with a new home, a new future. A new destiny unfolding. The reproach of the past has been removed. Literally, they are much like you and I at the point of salvation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And it would be nice, church, if it ended there. But it does not. In our text... God tells Moses to drive out the inhabitants of the land. He says, tear down their idols, destroy their false gods, remove their altars, and tear up all their pitchers. Moses, God says, don't let them have a place. Don't make a deal with them. Don't compromise. Drive them out. Drive them clean out of the land. And what God is telling the children of Israel is to deal with the clutter. And today, God is telling you and I the same thing. Christians are to drive out the inhabitants of the old life. God's command to you and I is that we would get the clutter out of our lives once and for all. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Because of unfinished business, because we've failed many times to remove the clutter of our lives, We end up buying into lies. Let me tell you something about clutter. It will lie to you. Let me tell you about things that hang around. They'll tell you a story that's not true. And when you buy into the lie, when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. And what ends up happening is you will end up making an agreement with a curse. Listen to what I'm saying. And the result is you will become greatly hindered. Yes. Now, let me say something to you before we go on. Let me put this, let me give you some, just some insight here. Right. As a Christian, as a child of God, you live under an open heaven. Yes. Do you understand that? Yes. Yes. You can't open heaven. Right. Jesus opened heaven. Yeah. Right and he opened it for you. When he died on the cross and you allowed him to come into your life and you gave your life to him, you, he opened a heaven right over you. You are continually over under an open heaven. Amen. But oftentimes, because of a failure to deal with things in our life, those things can hinder the flow of what comes out of that open heaven. Yes. Not because God up in heaven is mad. Not because God looks down and goes, well, you know, they're a pesky little bunch, so I guess I'm going to have to hold back. Right. That's not what happens. God simply says, look it, if you want things to flow in your life, then you're going to have to willfully get some things out of your life. Right. Yeah, really. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember back Hello. in our history, there was a time in our history where it was great turmoil in our country. States were divided over a thing called states' rights. And it was uh, particularly around the subject of slavery. And a war happened. We call it the Civil War. And there was a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln, and he became a great president. And Abraham Lincoln gave a speech which was called the Emancipation proclamation and he does this speech and basically in this speech he literally abolishes slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Slaves were set free. They were given new rights. And they were told they were free no longer did they have to serve the old master. Well many people became curious about this and they went to the south and they begin to interview some of these Slaves, And they asked them, they said, you know what, what do you think about this emancipator? And what do you think about this proclamation? And many of the slaves that were interviewed, this was their statement. I don't know anything about Abraham Lincoln except to say that he set us free. And I don't know anything about that either. How tragic that is because a war was being fought and had been fought. Many had given their life. A document had been signed. A a, a proclamation had went forth. Slaves were legally set free, yet most continued to live out their lives enslaved. They chose to remain slaved even though they were legally free. Even though they were emancipated, they kept serving the same master throughout their lives. So it is with many believers today. They have been, in fact completely set free yet they remain they choose to remain slaves to the same strongholds problems and sins that have gripped them all their life are you hearing that today it's not because they're not free it's not because they don't have the power to choose it's not because they don't have the power to walk away all has been provided they simply choose To serve the same master. If there's anything that we can say with confidence today about salvation is that freedom is the cornerstone in salvation. In John chapter 8 verse 36 it says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Do you you understand that? It's very simplistic. When the Son sets you free... You're free. The, you're free. Now you could choose to live in slavery, but you will be a free slave living in slavery. Second Corinthians chapter three verse seventeen says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, He gives freedom." And in Galatians five thirteen says, "For you have been called to live in freedom." Not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. Freedom is who we are. It is a cornerstone of our belief system. So listen, white-knuckling our way through life, denying the truth about our problems, is not freedom. It's slavery. Avoiding the reality of our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups in life is not freedom. It's bondage. Here's the problem. We excuse it, though, don't we? Here's what we do. Here's I've been around a while, and so I've heard it all. I think I've heard it all. I'm surprised from time to time. Well, I didn't hear that before. But a lot of people. Here's what we. Be patient with me. God's not done yet. No, 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 no. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He said, "Why is that? Because God is done." Jesus said, "It is finished." What does that mean? It means that God has completed His work. Yes. Now we need to receive it and live it out. Can you Let say Amen? Yeah. Yes. So we go on. We go. Well, you know what? I, 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 I. You know, I don't know. God's still working things out. It's denial, church. Oh, okay. right? It's denial. Right on. We need to get honest with our struggling. Exactly. Can you say Amen? Yeah. Yeah. See, when we continue to hold on to our spiritual clutter something very interesting begins to take place. See, because the thing I've noticed about clutter is we grow fond of clutter. And as time passes, we grow nostalgic about clutter. And we even kind of develop a kind of defensiveness about our clutter. (laughs) And in a very strange way, our clutter can build a stronghold in our lives. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a is literally, it's a place of defense or a place of strength. It's a fortified position. It's a secure sphere of power. And it's from those strongholds that hell begins to attack our lives. And I believe this is why God told Moses, drive out the inhabitants of the land. He says, get rid of the clutter. Don't let them have a stronghold. Don't let them have a place of defense. Don't let them fortify themselves in your life drive the clutter clean out of the land let nothing remain god is telling us the same thing today drive out the spiritual clutter from the old life don't allow the old mindsets the old habits the unforgiveness the bitterness all of that don't let it stay drive it out that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The intention, he's writing to Christians. He's intending that they pull down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what clutter will do, is it will try to exalt itself Above God, bringing every thought into the captivity and the obedience of Christ. What's Paul saying? He says, you've got the power to deal with it, so deal with it. One man put it this way. He says, if we don't drive sin out, sin will drive us out. And if we don't put our lust to death, our lust will put us to death. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I wish this morning that I could tell you that Israel had a happy ending but the truth is they didn't. They failed to drive out the inhabitants of the land. They failed to get rid of the clutter. Yeah, they removed some. They got rid of some, but somewhere in the midst of the task, they grew tired. They grew complacent, apathetic about these inhabitants. This is what I see happening with many Christians. We start off with a bang. Man, it's like yeah, I'm going to serve God. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm quitting my job and I'm getting rid of my house and I'm giving all my money to the poor and I'm going to Africa and I'm going to be an evangelist for Jesus. And then about day two comes around and we're like, huh, well, you know, I really like my car. And, and you know, I, I, maybe I was a little over the top, you know. But what happens after time, we grow tired. We get complacent. We, we're a little, yeah, it just doesn't matter. And so what happens is we start... To grow fond of some of the things that remain, and what we do is we go. Well, this is what Israel did. It ain't so bad. Those folks that remain—they're not. They're actually kind of nice. Oh wow! They're, they're very spiritual people. Oh, wow. Are you? Are you catching that? Oh. Man, they. You know, I know they don't worship our God, but they do <laughs> worship a God. And you know you know what happens with clutter? This is what always happens. It happens to me all the time. I always, I'll find something. I'll be going through my garage and, and I, as I'm going through, well, actually where it really happens is in my office at home. It happened yesterday. We got a new printer. And so I was installing the new printer and you have to pull that drawer out so you can put the plug in to plug into the power strip. And when I pulled the drawer out, everything that was in the drawer fell on the floor. And I'm pick as I'm picking it up, as I'm one by one picking it up. I'm looking at everything in that drawer, and there was not one thing I needed. But I told myself I might need it later. You never know. Now I'm no, no. You're not getting it. Let me just let me just be vulnerable for you. I have about 25 little tiny comic books that tell about various subjects like faith and love and joy and peace. Now, don't mind that I have five bookshelves with about 3,000 books on them, about every subject under the sun, and I have computer programs loaded with books, but I'm going to hang on to this little tiny comic book talking to me about love. What I should have done is as fast as it came out of the drawer, threw it in the trash. You're out of here. You're robbing me of room. But I didn't do that. I might need it later. With with the Israel, these inhabitants that God told them to remove, they were given a place to stay. Many of the young Israelite men and women started marrying into this group of people. They became families. All of a sudden, now they're intertwining with this clutter. All of a sudden, they are woven in, and it became a part of their society. And and then soon, their children begin to worship, not just God, but also the idols, because it just made good sense. Better be safe than sorry, right? They justified it. By saying, well, you know, we're, we're open-minded. We, we're open-minded. We're, you know, hey, every, it's okay. I know it's an alternative lifestyle, but it's okay. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. Right? Isn't that good doctrine? Listen, I don't want to judge anyone. After all, I don't want to be judged, so I'm not going to judge. I'm just, you know, I'm live and let live. You know, that's, that's it. That's just my motto. Now listen, all of those things sound good and they have points to them. But there are some absolutes in the word of God, church, that we need to get back to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Literally what the children of Israel did is they compromised the command of God. And today we see the same thing in much of Christianity. It's a replay of an age-old problem under the guise of, hey, God understands me. Who's going to know? It's just the way I am, Pastor. In time, the clutter of our lives that God has told us to drive out becomes interwoven into our personality, to our character, our makeup. Every decision, every action, every reaction, every perception, every idle thought, word is filtered through our clutter. And the Bible says it becomes a vexation. And a source of trouble. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me show you how this works in a very benign and innocuous way. You're a child and you grow up in a home where your parents seem to have anger issues. And so the way your parents express themselves when they're frustrated is to yell at each other. As you grow up, when you want to express yourself to someone... You end up yelling. And then you say, hey, my family, we're just a bunch of yellers. Just the way we are. Or you grow up in a home where there's very little physical affection. And then you get married, and you have no idea how to be affectionate. What is that? It's clutter. And it's hindering your life. But what we do is we justify, well that's just the way I am. That's who I am. You know, just take me for what I look at. Is that really who you are? Is that who God created you to be? Or is that just simply what you've become because you have a filter? See, the clutter is real, church. Fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, lust, pride, anger, Unforgiveness, bitterness, laziness, negative thinking, bad habits, emotional baggage, addiction, selfishness, carnality, immaturity, all of it's clutter. And we got to get rid of it. Can you say amen? amen? Now I want you to listen to this portion of scripture. Listen, because this is Paul's way of saying what Moses said. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, it says, Now you've got to remember, he's talking to the Colossian church. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you i love that put to death the sinful earthly things lurking i could have named this sermon the lurkers lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual sin impurity lust and shameful desires don't be greedy for good th- the good things of this life for that is idolatry god's terrible anger will come upon those who do do such things you used to do them when your life was still a part of this world but now is the time to get rid of anger rage malice or malicious behavior slant malice could be a part of it malicious behavior slander and dirty language I didn't forget where I was at. I'm just letting that one sink. (laughs) Don't lie to each other. For you have been stripped off, for you have stripped off your old evil nature with all its wicked deeds. In its place you have closed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. What is he saying? He's saying drive out the old inhabitants, drive out the things, drive out the clutter. See, the problem that most of us have is we've become so familiar with this clutter. These strongholds in our lives, they almost come to a place where it seems like normal behavior. It's like, that's just normal for us. This is our normal. Some of these, for some of us, these strongholds have been around for a very long time. And in fact, many of us go, completely, go through life completely unaware that our whole life has been affected by and controlled by these strongholds, these patterns. <coughs> and when we become aware of this spiritual clutter and strongholds, there is a definite, absolute need to drive it out. Yes. Oh. The thing that amazes me when I talk to people is how often they try to solve spiritual problems by physical means. See many of the things that we encounter in life they come because of this. It's not look at I need to I need to make sure that I honor the word and what I believe about God. It is not God mad in heaven. God's not up there looking to discipline and punish and, and rebuke and do all these things. Yes, he corrects his children. Yes, he brings us back to To a place where we are right with him. He does that. He's a good father. He's not up in heaven. You know what? God is not looking to pour out his wrath on you just because you messed up. What he's wanting is you to have a relationship with him. And he's wanting that relationship to be unhindered by the things that clutter your life. Are you hearing me? So how do we do that? How do we get to that? Because one of the other problems that we go through in life is if we have faced this in our life where we've driven out some things, sometimes just going through life, we collect things over time. You know, have you ever watched the the show on TV called Deadliest Catch? There is a very interesting phenomenon that happens. They will start out from Dutch Harbor, their port of call, and they'll go to the fishing grounds, which is usually like 350 miles away. And it'll take them a three, four days to get there. And during that time, they will travel through weather and different types of weather. Sometimes it's just light mist. But in the winter, what happens is that light mist that just seems to be completely benign, innocuous. It's, there's nothing to it. By the time they get to the fishing grounds, they can have 40, 50, 60 tons of ice yep. developed. And they have to immediately, before they can fish, before they can do anything that they're there for, they have to deal with what's been collected through the process of getting there. Church, what's happening, otherwise what happens is they are very vulnerable in the storm. As long as everything is flat and smooth, they can stay upright. But the moment the storm hits, the moment a wave or the wind blows, they become top-heavy and they become susceptible to capsizing. Church, that's us. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not this big, bad conspiracy. It's just the fact that as we're going through life, we need to do spiritual maintenance in our life. And sometimes you've got to get the sledgehammer out and break off the things that have collected on your life by just traveling. Yeah. So how do you do that? How, how do we get that job done? Well, first and foremost, what you've got to do is learn to confront the chaos. You see, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is we have to get honest. See, that's the thing. If there's anything that I believe with my whole heart, I believe this. Jesus' statement, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, we have to know it. We have to embrace the truth. One of the ways that I've been able to deal with some of the difficult areas of my life, the areas where I have not dealt with very well in the past, is I had to stop and I had to get very honest. And I had to say, this is me. This is what I'm doing right now. This is what I've allowed. And when I get honest like that, now I'm in a position where I can begin to deal with the thing that is hindering me, that's preventing the flow from heaven. Right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. So I have to deal with the chaos. I, sometimes you gotta get in the garage and haul everything out yeah. so you can look at it, so you could identify what's valuable and what's really not. And sometimes we gotta just get honest. It's like, I will never look at this ever again. I I haven't looked at those little comics. The only time I look at it is when I open the drawer to plug something new in. And I don't even look at them anymore. So why am I hanging on to them? Why? Well, because I'm not being honest. And so what i got to do is get honest. The second thing that I need to do is I need to possess a revelation of grace. See, if there's one misconception that can be singled out, is the major cause of breakdown in living is the idea that we're capable of fixing any of this on our own yes. listen to what paul writes to titus titus chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 he says for the grace of god that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age what is he saying? He says, it's the grace of God that teaches you to say no. It's the grace of God that teaches you how to deal with this. It's, the, it, it's God's gentle strength at work in my life that keeps me and helps me to deal with what I'm acknowledging. It's the goodness of God that leads me to repentance. See, so many people, they paint such a picture of God. That what we do is we tend to shy away. No, God's coming along and saying, look, all I want to do is get out of your life what's hindering you. And finally, what we need to do, we need to get honest. We need a revelation of his grace. And then we need to understand our part in freedom. And simply put, we must take responsibility for our own spiritual clutter. Listen to James chapter 1. I love this passage of scripture because this this right here encapsulates the answer for us. He's so honest here. So gracious. So true, so real, so genuine. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, "Therefore, once again he's talking to Christians, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness." I got to stop right there. I love the honesty of the word of God. Knowing who his audience is. He's not talking to a group of sinners, you know, in some bar somewhere. He's talking to a group of Christians, probably in a Bible study, and they've gotten together. It's a home church, and they're talking. He says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, unless you deceive your own self. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect. But when, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word—that's his work. But it should be word. This one will be blessed in what he does. What's he telling us? He says, lay aside, get rid of, drive out the clutter. Get rid of the clutter. And then replace the clutter with the word. Amen. Replace the clutter with the word. Your fear, your anxiety, your bitterness, your, 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 all the difficulties, replace it with the word. Then be a doer of that word. Yeah. Live by it. Don't just embrace its truth and say, I acknowledge its existence, but it is the code by which I live. It guides and directs my life. See, there is an intentionality here. There is a responsibility and an accountability here. It's I'm going to live by the word of God. So that means when the temptation to be angry and bitter and unforgiving Is there, I remember he says, Love your enemy, bless them, do good to them, pray for them. And I go, Okay, I have a choice. I could be angry, unforgiving, and bitter, or I can bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. My flesh wants to be angry. But when I do that, what happens? That bitterness, that anger becomes clutter. It becomes a filter by which now I listen to all of life and react and act and live my life by that filter. Or I put the word of God in. I could drive out that thing. And then I could put the word in. And what I find out is when I forgive, the one that gets set free is me. When I am not bitter, there's no root that's growing in me that takes over. When I do good, I feel good. Amen. Are you hearing me? Yes. So when they don't deserve it. Neither did I. It is not about deserving. It's about what's right and what's wrong. It's about how I live my life. Recently, I had an opportunity to live what I'm talking about. I had someone say... Some fairly difficult and harmful things to me. And the first thing that I wanted to do, and, I, and quite honestly, at first I did, I got angry. But then I had to make a choice. Am I going to live here? Am I going to allow that anger, that, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, am I going to allow that to be the clutter that just gets in my way? You know what, the, the problem with clutter is when you walk around at night and you don't have a light, you trip over your own clutter. Is that what's going to happen? No, it wasn't. So I determined, and I did. I spent time alone because it took some time. I had to follow through with the word, and I prayed, and I I said, you know what, God, I'm going to do good here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to release. I'm going to forgive. I refuse bitterness. I push it off. I'm driving it out. You have no place here. You have no right here. And when I did that, I was set free. I was set free. It began to bring healing. It was the balm of Gilead because what I'm doing is I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm doing what a Christian does. And that's just one area. There's a thousand other things. Get honest. Look in the mirror. Take some inventory. Say, God, will you show me some of the clutter in my life? What do I need to drive out? Show me so I can be, God, all that you want me to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I believe if you'll do that, you'll find that your life will change. You'll find blessing on a level you never knew it. Because that window is open. When you get everything out of the way, the flow is amazing. Are you hearing me? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we just thank you so much, God, for this revelation. We thank you that you love us enough to tell us this stuff, to show us what we need to do, God. And we pray today that you would help us, God, that you <clears throat> you would cause this word to be engrafted upon our hearts. You know, our prayer is, Father, that you would show us where the clutter is. Lord, if there remains anything, if we've if we've picked up things, God, as we've gone along if we've become familiar with them, if we've embraced them when we should have rejected them, Father, help us. Help us to be honest. And Lord, I ask that you release your grace into it. And Father, that we, God, would take responsibility, that we would put the word in, that we would replace it all with your word. I pray help us, God. And I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you. That you love us, we just give you all the glory and we give you all the honor in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Isn't God good this morning? Now listen, before you before you go, before you stand up tonight, six o'clock, we have a worship service here. We'll be praying for the sick and any other need that you may have. We'll have a, we'll have time of worship and just impartation. God encountering, we encourage you to come. It'll, it'll be from about 6 to maybe 7.20, somewhere in that time frame. It's worth your investment of time. Come and be a part. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you today. Our ministry team is coming. If you have need of prayer of any kind, come on up. They'll pray for you. God bless you. You guys have a great and wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.